There are many things to occupy our minds and our conversations. As we come, it seems to me, too quickly into the season of autumn and soon the season of winter, not to mention the joyful chaos of Christmas somewhere in the midst of all of that. The world around us has its share of disturbing news these days. The uneasy peace that is threatened by saber-rattling between the U.S. and North Korea, the continued unrest in the Middle East and in the countries neighboring that area, the violence that continues to be perpetrated by militias, the daily, it seems, disregard for the value of human life, a disregard that sends people from their homes into violent waters and into strange lands. Natural disasters in our own country and in our neighbors to the south in Mexico have taken their toll on our resources and on thousands of survivors. The brutality of the mass shootings that seem to be way too frequent in Las Vegas, for example, leaves us without words or really struggling for kind thoughts. Political leadership in this country brings its own disturbing repercussions. In religious news these days, we recognize that today many Christian churches celebrate Reformation Sunday. As we mark this coming week on the 31st of this month, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation or the beginning of the Lutheran tradition. History says that on October the 31st, 1517, Martin Luther, a Catholic priest, nailed his 95 theses to the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. The bishops of Vatican II confessed that the divisions that resulted from that action gradually became the fault of both the Catholic and the Protestant churches. And so together we have much to repent for in these years. Anger, suffering, divisions caused by a sense of self-righteousness and truth. Closer to home, some good news. Here in our midst, today is the gathering of dedicated women from around the world, and they will shortly be joined by many others. Women in the Franciscan community, in the Franciscan tradition, who have gathered here to bring a wealth of experience and wisdom from their many and respective ministries. Their conversations in these days to come will once again bring a great grace to the building up 
of the presence of God, the reign of God in our midst here as we joyfully welcome all of them and in the midst of the world itself. So there is much, much on our plate and in our thoughts these days. In the midst of all of this tension, this suffering, this remembering, and this celebrating, the readings today take us to a kind of calm center of our Christian faith. They speak of the compassion of God and of a passionate God whose commitment to all and to the poorest of the poor, migrants, refugees, widows, orphans, people who are strapped by death, those who have been taken advantage of. The examples given by the author of Exodus, our first reading, have a kind of uncomfortable echo in our own time and in our own places. All of these readings speak of how we are called to model this compassion of God in our own lives. As Paul reminds us, in his letter to the Christians in Thessalonica. In the Gospel, Jesus announces that the great commandment is to be immersed in the compassionate love of God through the ways that we regard ourselves and treat our neighbor. You notice he didn't make any exceptions. There was no but. There was no except. There was no maybe. Loving God and our neighbor inspires people in this day to be involved in movements that advocate for nonviolence and to take up actions and initiatives that bring relief to those who are victims of natural disasters. Loving God and our neighbor moves us to treat our Protestant brothers and sisters with love and with respect, and to commit to praying for them and with them, as together we strive for a new communion instead of acquiescing to ongoing scandal. Loving God and our neighbor means that we keep trying to be patient and generous in those relationships that wear us down from time to time, in being gentle with ourselves in our own grief and our anxiety that creeps into our lives when we're not looking. These readings call us to that still point, as T.S. Eliot says, in a turning, churning world. The readings of this day remind us that in the center and at the center of all things and all life 
what gives meaning and inspires goodness is the compassionate and passionate love of God. We are invited into that love with our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole mind. There we live and move and have our being. And we are invited, reminded, that that same love must spring from deep within us. If it doesn't start there, from where will it surface? If it doesn't start with me, how long will I wait for my neighbor to love first?